Okay, y'all, open your Bibles to Revelation. We're at chapter 14. The passage is actually 14 through 15, 4, but we are not going to do read the whole thing. I've noticed that these passages are getting longer and longer, and uh, through the encouragement and the exhortation of many of you, we're shortening some of the readings just to hit the highlights. Because you are an encouraging group of folks, it starts with my own home and then works itself out from there. You can guess what I'm saying. Now, several years ago, I... Several years ago, I found myself in one of those big parenting moments, and so I'm not singling out any child, so don't try to figure out what child it is, please. If you're a parent, you know the kind I'm talking about, don't you? You know this, my child really needs me moment, and all the uh, parenting books just flashed through my mind that I've read, Shepherding a Child's Heart, Age of Opportunity, uh, parenting without perfection, give them grace, all were flashing in my mind and my heart at the time. I knew this was a big moment. So I jumped in. I jumped in to help. And I said things like, I'm so sorry. I, I understand. I'm, I feel for you. I'm so sorry that you're going through this. I'm, I'm with you. I'm here. I know what you're going through. I've been there before. And while I was saying it, this child just shook their head and then whispered, but dad, you're Superman. It was a moment. It was a moment because deep in my bones, I knew if my child thinks I'm Superman, I'm hurting them. I knew in that moment, deep in my bones, if I reinforce this insidious belief, if I reinforce this poisonous, poisonous view of the world, that the world is divided up, people are divided up into groups of those who are special and those that don't have a drop in the tank, those who are capable and those who are incapable, those who are able and those who are unable, those who have it and those who wish they had it. Those who are deserving and those who are undeserving. I knew if I reinforce that, I am hurting, damaging my children. So I had to act. I had to do something. And while I was thinking that and thinking, Jeff, do something, say something, it was the most terrifying thing happened in all the world to me and probably all my moments of parenting. Deep down in the subterranean levels of my heart, deep down in those places that I can't see and I can't control, I heard myself say, but I want to be Superman. I need to be Superman. I am Superman. Some of us in this room this morning have succeeded in convincing yourself and others that you are Superman that you're Wonder Woman. Fleming Rutledge says of us, these brothers and sisters don't get ulcers, they give them. (laughs) I love that. That is just the best. And then she says, they judge others instead of worrying about being judged. How do you stop the Superman in you? How do you stop the Wonder Woman in you? 
Others of us here today live with a submerged anxiety, the anxiety that you're not enough. You do a great job. Usually it doesn't bother you, but sometimes you just can't keep it submerged. It lurches to the surface, and it comes out in various ways like, I'm not thin enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not built enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not nice enough. I'm not successful enough. I'm not important enough. I'm not mom enough. I'm not engineer enough. I'm not mechanic enough. I'm not holy enough. I'm not obeying enough. I don't trust God enough. I don't love him enough. I don't experience him enough. I don't be used by him enough. Submerged anxiety is the symptom of the superman. How do you stop the superman in you? Others of us here today are living in despair. You know you're not superman. You know you're not Wonder Woman. And even worse, you're more like Lex Luthor the arch enemy of Superman. I don't know what the one was for Wonder Woman or I would tell you, I'm sorry. Cheetah. Who? <laughs> Who is it? Cheetah. Cheetah. Thank you, Brent Bankston. <laughs> Cheetah! <laughs> I will never forget this moment, dude. <laughs> so here's what happens. You know, you, in your mind, you command your will to do something. In your mind, you say, will, do it, but your will does not obey. And you know what that's like. You've tried to stay on a diet. Tis the season, right? Bathing suits are in. You've tried to control your temper. You command your will, stop getting so mad, but your will doesn't obey. You vowed not to go over the credit card limit again. You've told yourself to trust God more, love God more, be used by God more, to do ministry more. You constantly tell yourself that. You've told yourself to stop resenting the success of others. You tell that all the time, at your job, at home, with other parents, other moms, other dads. You've told yourself and others have told you over and over again, just get over it, will you? It's time. Move on. The Superman inflicts despair. How do you stop the Superman? How do you stop the Wonder Woman in you? I want to welcome you, friends. This passage tells you there's only one way out. I want to welcome you to Revelation 14 through 15, 5, but we will be reading 14 through 20. That's it. Please stand for the hearing of God's word. Revelation 14, 14 through 20. Then I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and seated on the cloud, one like the Son of Man, with a golden crown on his head, and a sharp sickle in his hand. And another angel came out of the temple, 
calling with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud. Put in your sickle and reap, for the hour to reap has come, for the harvest of the earth is fully ripe. So he sat on the cloud, swung his sickle across the earth, and the earth was reaped. Then another angel came out of the temple in heaven, and he too had a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar to the angel who has authority over the fire. And he called with a loud voice to the one who had the sharp sickle. Put in your sickle and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for the grapes are ripe. So the angel swung his sickle across the earth and gathered the grape harvest of the earth and threw it in the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trodden out of the city, and the blood flowed from the winepress as high as the horse's bridle for 1,600 stadia. The word of the Lord. Please be seated. So, Lord, we ask that you would shine on this page. We ask that you would move through the depth of the images and that you would penetrate with clarity to our mind and grant realness to our heart, and would you change us on the spot? Oh, Lord, would the gospel create its own reality? We ask this in your name, amen. All right, so how do you stop the Superman in you? How do you stop the Wonder Woman in you? (laughs) Answer, you can't. You can't. Revelation 14 and 15 to 4 says the Superman in you, the Wonder Woman in you, is, please listen, you. Specifically, Revelation says this, it's the earthly you. It uses language like this, the you that dwells on the earth, uh, the you from the earth, the you in the number of man, the you of 666, which means the you of Imperfection, imperfection, imperfection. The Apostle Paul calls the earthly you the flesh, the Adamic self, the self in original sin, theologically speaking. It's the self that's in captivity to the dark powers that we've been looking at in this book, the dark powers of the sin, a power, you're in it, the death, we're in it, the primal evil. The dragon and the beast, beast one and beast two, were in it, this text says. So now our passage is adding one more color to the earthly you. It's adding a place, a place where earthly yous gather. Look at verse 8. Another angel, a second, followed, saying, fallen, fallen is Babylon. First time Babylon's introduced to us, Babylon the Great, she who made all nations drink the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality. Augustine calls Babylon the city of man. If Augustine was around today, he'd make a lot of money because that book is a classic that he has written called The City of God that makes tons of money. Instead, Penguin Books makes money for Augustine. That's how life works, y'all. You die, then you make your money. That's how it works. Verse 8 introduces us to Babylon for the first time, and so what's happening is is that Revelation 14 and 15 is bringing two ideas together all at once. It's bringing the, well, it's bringing the earthly you, the individual earthly you, the ones that dwell on the earth, with the corporate 
earthly folks called Babylon or the city of man. It's bringing both these two ideas together. And the point is they both form an alternative identity. They both form an an alternative people, an alternative community, alternative to what God has created, an alternative to what God actually recreates. They are substitute replacement identities, substitute replacement humanities, substitute replacement communities, substitute replacement people. In other words... These two groups signify people who are not themselves and can never be themselves while they're earthly and while they're in Babylon. Friends, y'all, this is, this is why you and I struggle so much with our identity. This is why we struggle to be enough. This is why we struggle with our worth and our value. This is why we built our identities around our performance and we build our identities around our success and we build our identities around human approval. It's not because we choose to. It's because we're in it. It's now your identity. You're an earthly you in the city of man. This is why cultures and nations And races and cities build their identity around power and greed and sex and revenge and human praise and being important. Don't miss what Babylon calls itself in verse 8. Do you see it? Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. I am super. I am Wonder Woman. The earthly you in the city of Babylon really believe they are. It's who they are. So how do you stop the Superman in you? How do you stop the Wonder Woman in you? The Revelation says you can't. It's who we are. This means plain Superman, plain Wonder Woman is not something we do. It's who we are. This means it's not something that you can change by willing it not to be. It's not something that you can come up and say, I'm going to make the right choice and I'm going to choose to not be resentful. I'm going to choose to not be jealous. I'm going to choose to not be Superman. I'm going to choose to not rely on myself. I'm going to choose to not be inferior. I'm going to choose to have an intact identity and a healthy self-image. I'm going to choose to do that. I'm going to make the right choice. And Revelation says it's impossible. Because this is what it's like. It's like this. You and me were in a swamp called the earthly you and the city of man called Babylon. And we're up to our eyeballs. And what we're trying to do, what all of us try to do for a lot of our life, is grab ourselves on the top of our hair and try to pull ourselves out. And Revelation says it's impossible. You can't do it. 
How do you stop the Superman in you? How do you stop the Wonder Woman in you? You can't. It's who you are. This means we're also in the swamp together, so we're all earth dwellers together. We're all in Babylon together. Paul says it this way. This means there's no distinction between you and me. There are no distinctions. There are no groups. Paul says there are no distinctions. For here's the reason. All sin, all are in the captivity of sin. All are in the sin and the death. All are under the dark powers, Paul says. Remember Monica Lewinsky, y'all? Now I'm going to try to keep this PG as best I can. Let's just say um, she had a fling with the President of the United States. Y'all remember that, right? And you remember that there was a whistleblower named Linda Tripp who exposed the fling. But Monica Lewinsky, who has the fling, wants to separate, distinct herself, put herself in a different group than Linda Tripp. And she says this, I would hate to be her. I'm not like her. Well, hello, Monica Lewinsky. And I'm has all the willpower I can take right now to say some and not say some other things. Well, we all do this though, right? We all make distinctions. We all create the good and the bad, the earned and the deserving and the undeserving the beautiful and the ugly, the ugly and the uglier, we are constantly measuring, constantly trialing people, constantly putting them into groups of special and, boy, it would suck to be you kind of groups. Why, though, do we do this? You know why we do this? It's real simple. Because we want to put ourselves in the righteous group. Because we need to be Superman. We must be great. We must, if we're in Babylon, make a name for ourselves. We must find an identity. We must generate a self, a humanity, a people, a community, a city. Revelation 14 says we're all in the swamp thinking we're great, trying to pull ourselves out, and it's impossible. How do you stop the Superman in you? Revelation says it takes 200 miles of blood Two hundred miles of blood, the height of an adult male in the first century, to do it. It takes the most costly commodity in the cosmos to do it. No willpower can do it. No making a right choice can do it. No resolution can do it. No fun feeling can do it. No commercial and advertisement can motivate you to do it. No Tony Robbins can help you do it. 
It takes 200 miles of blood to do it. Verse 19 and 20, so the angel swung a sickle across the earth. Where is he swinging his sickle? Across the earth. He's swinging a sickle across those who live on the earth, the earthly use. And he's swinging it across Babylon, and he gathered the great harvest of the earth and threw it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trodden outside the city, and the blood flowed across or from the winepress as high as a horse's bridle. That's the height of an adult male in the first century. For 1,600 stadia, 200 miles. So here we go. Here's what's happening. I want you to look at verses 14 because we read those, 14 and 16. Do you see them? This is Jesus rescuing the earthly you from the swamp. 17 through 20 pictures how he does it. Do you see this? First is that he does it. Second is how he does it. Many, however, most, however, do not read it this way. I'm telling you up front that I am not reading it. I'm reading it that way that most people do not read it that way. Most people see two harvests, one for salvation, 14 through 16, one for judgment, 17 through 20. I'm telling you that there's one salvation seen from two different angles. First, that Jesus does it, 14 through 16. Second, how Jesus does it, 17 through 20. How? Well, here's why. Here's my reasoning. And it, I'm not the only one. If it was, if it was just me, then I, I would not tell you this. I would just hold. Here's what I would do. I would hold my opinion to myself. I would give you what the general view is, and then I would tell you that I disagree with it. And then I would try to figure out some other way to preach this passage. Never in the Bible is the image of reaping used for judgment. Never. The image of reaping in the Bible is always a divine rescue. It's always Jesus coming to save. The harvest is plentiful. The workers are few, he says. Always. The second is this. The image of the vine in the Bible, verse 18, always refers to salvation. First, it referred to Israel being saved, the vine of God. And then it refers to ultimately in the Bible, I am the vine, you are the branches, the vine, the true vine, Jesus himself. And then I want you to look at the last phrase. I'm just giving you three quick ones because I don't want this to be like a Sunday school. Look at outside the city in verse 20. These first, these first readers of this text, when they hear outside the city, now later outside the city will be used and referred in the rest of Revelation and some other part of Revelation to judgment, which it is a place of judgment, but for earth dwellers. But that hasn't happened yet. They're still reading this book. So what do they are? They're steeped in the gospels. When they hear outside the city, what do they hear? Well, they hear the parable that Jesus told about the workers who killed the landowner's son outside the city. And they're they're hearing the original preaching of their community, which was written down in the book of Hebrews, where it says that Jesus suffered and died where? Outside the city. And then of all places, what they're hearing, they're hearing outside the city, they're going, that's where Jesus was killed. That's where Jesus was taken. Outside the city. Outside the gate. That salvation happens outside. Outside the city, do not miss this, y'all. Outside the city, in the earthly flesh of Jesus, 
in that place, God condemns and conquers sin. And in doing so, he kills the earthly you in the earthly flesh of Jesus. And he pulls you out of the swamp by his blood alone. Jesus spills 200 miles of blood at the height of an adult male. Why that high? To cover you. All of you. And make you new. The earthly you gets covered by blood. And now the true you, the real you, the new you is in that blood, is in Jesus. Fallen, fallen is Babylon, the great Superman has died. This is the new song sung in Revelation 14, 1 through 5, and Revelation 15, 1 through 4. I want you to see that. Both of them are singing new songs, and these two passages bookend this area because these two passages are pointing to the point. These two passages are giving you what a song is sung on heaven in the present and what a song is sung in heaven in the future. So 15, 1 through 4 is what we sing in the future in heaven with the new heavens and the new earth. 14, 1 through 5 is what all saints right now sing between the first coming and the second coming in heaven. This new song, and notice it's a song It's a song of redemption, which means a payment of a price does a rescue for you. The most costliest commodity in the cosmos happened. People who sing this new song learn to find themselves in 200 miles of blood. People who sing this new song learn to find themselves covered in another. People who learn to sing this song find their identity in another. You no longer need to build an identity from earth anymore, from performance and people and approval and power and control and being important and your skills and the good things that God has given you. You are now free to build an identity around the reality of one from heaven. You no longer have to earn your love. I mean, that's what's going on. I mean, just take a look at, at verse 8. All this, all this notion of wine and all this notion of passion and all this notion of sexual immorality, that's all, that's all what happens when, when you have a spouse that goes outside the marriage to find an alternative love. And God always characterizes our relationship throughout the Bible as one of a love relationship. And when you and I are in the Superman realm, and we're in the Babylon realm, and we're in the the earthly me, we are trying to find love. 
Isn't that crazy? We're trying to find ourselves in the love of another. But an earthly you, a Babylon you, will only try to find it from the earth. And this text is saying there is one who has spilled 200 miles of blood because he loves you. That's where you find you. That's where you're finally yourself. That's where you can be you. The people who sing this new song learn to stop singing the old song, Babylon is Great. They learn to stop singing, I am Superman. You learn to. You learn to because... Though you are new, you still have an old self, as Paul would say, that is just attached to you. Those of you that have been with us for a couple of weeks, you know we're calling that the zombie you, the walking dead you. He's still attached. So you and I have to learn to live in a new you because the old self is still right there saying, man, this is who you are, dude. And what that person said about you, it's true. You are a, you're a loser. People who learn to sing the new song stop singing this old song. They stop singing, boy, I would hate to be her. I'm not like her. And then finally, people who sing the new song, you know what they do? They give good news, not good advice to people in the swamp because they know good advice can never pull them out of the swamp. How do I know this? Look at verse 6. Then I saw another angel flying directly overhead with the eternal gospel. That's good news, not good advice. Good news to proclaim, notice who he's proclaiming it to, to those who dwell on the earth, to those in the swamp, to those in the city of Babylon. And the only thing that can get them out of that swamp is the same thing that gets you and me out of that swamp, and that is there is one who went outside the city and spilt 200 miles of blood to cover you and rescue you. How do you stop Superman, Wonder Woman, and you? Answer, you can't. Let's say that together. Answer, you can't. You can't. It takes the blood of God to do it. Sing this new song.